You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. We continue our amazing journey of examining the life and the biography of Prophet Muhammad and the events that occurred in his blessed lifetime. Previously, we examined the Battle of Khaybar, the aftermath of this battle, how Allah gave victory to the Prophet and Muslims at this battle. And we also examined the attempt to poison and kill Prophet Muhammad by giving him a, a lamb, a sheep that was poisoned and how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protected him. Now we continue examining the events that happened after the Prophet left Khaybar and he was on his way to Medina. Various sources have mentioned that when the Prophet was on his way back from Khaybar, one night he appointed Bilal to watch over the camp, the tents that they were in. And he asked Bilal to wake them up for Fajr. Bilal, today, tonight, be our watchman. And when Fajr sets in, please wake us up. Shortly before Fajr, Bilal was looking at the horizon to see if Fajr set or not, when the Fajr is going to come. As he was doing that, he fell asleep. According to these narrations, none of them woke up until the sun rose. And the Prophet ﷺ, according to these narrations, was the first to wake up. The Prophet woke up startled. Concerned, anxious, and he called on Bilal. Bilal, weren't you our watchman? Weren't you supposed to wake us up for Fajr? Basically, what happened? Bilal said, Ya Rasulullah, the one who made you sleep made me sleep as well. Just like you fell asleep, I fell asleep. In other words, he was saying, I wasn't negligent. I just fell asleep. Then the Prophet did wudu. He commanded Bilal to do the iqamah only, not the adhan, because after sunrise, it's not the time for adhan. They just did the iqamah according to these narrations. Then they prayed the fajr, prayer qada. And then the Prophet ﷺ supposedly said to them, whenever you forget to pray, you miss prayer like that. Pray it as soon as you remember, as soon as you're able to. This hadith, this version that I shared with you, is mentioned in Sunni sources. It's narrated by Abu Huraira. You can find this in Muslim. You can in Sahih Muslim. You can also find this narration in the Sunan of um, Ibn Majah. So basically, we have this narration. In Sunni sources, and Sunni scholars have said that it's a Sahih Hadith. For example, the Albani, the scholar 
Al-Albani, he was well known for his grading of hadiths. He says, this hadith is sahih. When we examine the text of this hadith and the uh, sanad, the chain of this hadith, it's a sahih hadith. Now, when you ask Sunni scholars, well, what's going on? What's the philosophy of all of this happening? They say to show Muslims that they should do qada. The Prophet wanted, wanted to demonstrate to Muslims that when they miss Salat al-Fajr, when they miss a prayer, they should do qada. And that if they miss prayer, not out of negligence, they're not doomed. It's okay. If you miss Salat out of negligence, that's haram. But if it's not out of negligence, you really wanted to wake up and you didn't, it's fine. It's not the end of the universe. Now Bukhari has a similar version that the Prophet ﷺ overslept. But the version of Bukhari indicates Umar ibn al-Khattab is the one who woke him up by raising his voice with the takbir. And so basically Bukhari narrates that this hadith is from Umran or Imran. He says we were traveling with the Prophet and you know we slept very late at night. And we really slept very, very deeply. He says, this was the best sleep we've ever had. It was so sweet. You know, sometimes when you get that deep sleep, suddenly we realize the heat of the sun after rising is what awoke us. And the first among us to wake up is, you know, these people, he mentioned them. Then the fourth one to wake up to, to wake up was Umar ibn al-Khattab. The Prophet, according to the version of Bukhari, he was still sleeping. Because we knew that the Prophet ﷺ, when he's sleeping, you don't wake him up. Maybe he's receiving revelation, we don't know. So when Umar ibn al-Khattab wakes up and he was bold, he raised his voice with the takbir. Allahu Akbar. What's the purpose? So the Prophet could hear him and the Prophet could wake up. The hadith in Bukhari states, Umar kept raising his voice and saying the takbir until finally the Prophet woke up. When, when the Prophet woke up, the Muslims were concerned. They came to him, Ya Rasulullah, we miss Salat al-Fajr, we're upset. The Prophet says, La it's okay. There's no harm done. Let's leave this place. Let's go to another place. And then the Prophet did wudu and he prayed with his companions. Qada. So this is the version of Bukhari. And there are other versions of, as well. What is our take on this alleged incident? That after the Prophet was on his way back from Khaybar to Medina, he missed Salat al-Fajr. Let's share a few observations here and we can have a discussion. And if you have a perspective to share, inshallah, I would love to hear that. The first observation here, we have hadiths in Sunni sources and in Shia sources that clearly indicate the Prophet's heart does not sleep. Such reports indicate in Bukhari and Muslim and others these hadiths that I just mentioned, they indicate that the Prophet overslept and he did not feel his surroundings. 
Now, one problem was with that is that we have hadiths that the prophet, the prophet's sleep is not like our sleep. His eyes sleep, he closes his eyes, but his heart, his mind does not sleep, it's awake. For instance, Bukhari, Bukhari narrates in, in the hadith of Mi'raj, basically, the Prophet's eyes are sleeping, but his heart, his mind does not sleep. By the way, qalb, heart, you know, doesn't necessarily refer to this heart. It means the mind, the brain, the mind. The, the hadith in Bukhari states, even prophets, not just Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa their eyes sleep, but not their hearts. Mus, uh, Sahih Muslim also has mentioned this point. Ahmad ibn Hanbal has mentioned this in his Musnad, meaning hadiths that say the Prophet's eyes sleep, but not his heart, not his mind. In our Shia sources, we also have similar hadiths. For, ins for instance, in the book of Kafi, we have a hadith that states, The Prophet his two eyes sleep, but his heart, his mind does not sleep. And Allah has given him the power of shafa'ah. And therefore, therefore, even Sunnis have narrated that among the special characteristics of the Prophet is that his wudu does not get invalidated when he sleeps. Unlike you and me, when I sleep, my wudu breaks. I have to redo the wudu if I want to get up and pray. But not Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa Why? Because he doesn't really fall asleep. Bukhari mentions this. Bukhari mentions this. And this is considered min khasa'isi Rasulullah. The special characteristics of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa His wudu la yabtulu bin nawm. His wudu does not get negated or invalidated by sleeping. لَأَنَّهُ تَنَامُ عَيْنُهُ وَلَا يَنَامُ قَلْبُهُ And the philosophy given for that and the narrations that Bukhari has narrated, is that his eyes sleep, but his heart doesn't sleep, his mind doesn't sleep, his brain doesn't sleep. So if this is the case, our first observation is, how could he skip the Fajr prayer? These two don't add up. These two do not add up. On the one hand, these narrations claim the Prophet overslept, he didn't feel, you know, the Fajr. On the other hand, we have hadiths that state the Prophet, his heart doesn't sleep. His mind and brain doesn't sleep. So why did he skip it then? Now some Sunni scholars have given this interesting response to reconcile the discrepancy between these two types of hadiths. They're like, look, his mind is awake. So he can detect things that a mind can detect, like sounds. You hear a sound, you can detect it. But Fajr isn't really something your mind can detect. It's something that your eyes can detect. You look at the horizon, you see Fajr. You see that white light horizontally, you know, appearing in the atmosphere. Appearing in the horizon. But it's not something your mind can detect, right? Let's say you're sleeping on the ground, you're fully awake, your eyes are closed. How, do you, how are you going to know when Fajr comes? That's not something you can detect with the mind, but it's something that you can detect with the eyes. And the Prophet's eyes were closed, even though his mind was awake. So this is one 
attempt by Sunni scholars to reconcile these two hadiths and say, yeah, the Prophet missed the Fajr prayer and it doesn't contradict the hadiths that state his eyes sleep, but his heart doesn't sleep. How do you feel about this attempt? Or what are your observations on it? Does it seem legit or there are issues with it? Any shots here? See, as seminary students, we have to train ourselves, ourselves the art of logic. When somebody makes an argument and it really sounds convincing and compelling, we have to, you know, have the capacity to see where the flaws are. So, any idea that comes to your mind in refuting this attempt or disqualifying it? Sayyid, I don't know if Ahl-Sunnah have this uh, belief as well, but I've heard it from many of our reciters and scholars that if you recite the last ayah of Surah Al-Kahf, then you can wake up whatever time you want. Correct. We have a hadith that states if you recite the last verse of Surah Al-Kahf, then you can wake up whenever you want. So how would you use that here? I mean, when else would Rasulullah want to wake up except for Salat al-Layl and Salat al-Fajr? Right. So that's something that the Prophet wants to wake up for. So we can assume that he probably... His mind would want to perceive... Exactly. If his mind is awake, he can recite the verse in his mind and not skip it. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. That That's that's a fair shot. Any or other shots here? Before. I mean, they have so many different hadith of... What he would do before going to sleep, he would recite Surah Al-Waqi'ah, Surah Al-Mu'ayt Al-Kursi, this and that. They have hadith from Aisha walking in on him, praying all night. He can't remember one verse of Surah Al-Kahf. Exactly. That's a very good point. So this is one response um, to this attempt in reconciling between the, these two hadiths. Now, here's one response. We can challenge this attempt to reconcile them. By saying the following. Bukhari narrates that once the Prophet slept before praying the wet prayer. The wet prayer, you know, at the end of Salat al-Layl. So he prayed 10. Salat al-Layl, the full version is 10. 2 by 2 by 2 by 2, 8. Chef, 2, what? 1, 11. There is a hadith in Bukhari. That states the Prophet slept before praying the Watser prayer. He prayed 10 and he was tired. He wanted to sleep. His wife Aisha told him, you're sleeping now? Meaning you're going to miss it. You're going to sleep now. And chances are you're going to miss it. And the Fajr is going to come. <coughs> so you will not be able to pray the Watser prayer. Now, I just have a quick question here for you. What's the big deal of the Prophet Mrs. The what's her prayer? I mean, Salat al-Layl is mustahab. It's not the end of the universe if the Prophet misses it. Like why does Aisha tell him, if you sleep now and we're so close to Fajr, you're going to miss the what's her prayer? The what's prayer? The what's her prayer? What, why, why was she concerned or she showed that she was concerned? Maybe because it is not um, mustahab for the Prophet. Correct. It's uh, obligatory for the Prophet. Yes, many scholars yeah. believe based on our hadiths that Salat al-Layl was wajib on the Prophet 
For others, it's mustahab. But one of the special obligations of Prophet Muhammad is to pray Salat al-Layl. So maybe that's why she was concerned. Because she knew the Prophet would not skip Salat al-Layl. So she was telling him, basically, you didn't finish your Salat al-Layl. Like, why do you want to sleep right now? This is in Bukhari. The Prophet told her, no, my eyes sleep, but my mind, my heart, my qalb does not. Meaning, the Prophet is telling Aisha, don't worry, I'm not going to skip it. Which means the Prophet can detect time. He has awareness of time. See, these Sunni scholars, how did they respond to this contradiction? They're like, well, if you're sleeping, you can't detect Fajr even if you're awake, if your eyes are closed. That's not something your mind can detect. Well, how could the Prophet's mind detect Watr and Fajr there? The Prophet's telling her, don't worry, don't worry. My eyes sleep, but not my heart, not my mind. Meaning, I'm aware of time. I will. I know when Fajr will come, don't worry. I won't skip Salat al-Layl. See, this is proof in Bukhari that their attempt to reconcile the contradiction is not a successful attempt. Otherwise, it will contradict this hadith. So at the, at, the, at the end of the day, you've got a contradiction here. You have to solve it. But for you to accept all these hadiths, it's, it's, there's a contradiction here. These, these hadiths don't add up. So choose which one is correct and which one is not. But for you to accept all of them, that's a contradiction. So what do you think about this response? Does it make sense, our, our you know, observation? Yes, it surely does, but we uh, struggle with knowing the answer. Just think, why would that happen? Okay, we'll get to that. Because we also have some Shia hadiths in our sources that point to this incident. We'll get to that. I'm just mentioning the observations here. Because when we, in the biography of the Prophet ﷺ, we examine an event that raises some flags or concerns, we have to analyze it. We don't just blindly accept it you know, because of these narrations. We have to critically analyze the narrations. So my first analysis here is that we've got many narrations. All Muslims have accepted, Sunni and Shia, that the Prophet's mind does not sleep. So why did he skip Salat al-Fajr? You know, that makes us doubt this report. That's the first observation. Let's now go to the second observation. When you look at all these versions, there are so many discrepancies and contradictions as to where this alleged incident happened. This hadith that I just mentioned to you, narrated by Ibn Majah and Sahih Muslim, it says that this happened after Khaybar. Another, another hadith narrated by Abu Dawood says it happened after Hudaybiyah. Another in the Muwatta of Malik states it happened on the Prophet's way to Mecca. Another says it happened on his way to Tabuk. Bukhari, the smart one out of them, he doesn't tell us where it happened. He says in one of his travels, he doesn't name exactly where it happened. Muslim says, Sahih Muslim, it gives us the version that says after Khaybar. Bukhari doesn't tell us where, it just tells us the incident. So where did this important uh, event happen? Was it at Tabuk? Was it at Khaybar? Was it at Hudaybiyah? Was it on his way to Mecca? And many other 
uh, claims. See, it tells us something's wrong with these reports. Something's not adding up here. And remember, the Prophet skipping Fajr is not something that's forgettable. That's absolutely unforgettable. I mean, imagine, imagine if these days you're traveling with your grand marja and your grand marja skips the Fajr prayer. Honestly, would you forget where that happened? Believe me, that's not something you'd ever forget because it's a big deal. Even if it's not a sin, it's not his fault. He just fell asleep. You would not forget that. So why do we have all these discrepancies here? Some scholars, therefore, have said all this indicates that these, this hadith is fabricated. Those fabricators couldn't even agree on where it happened. Or who woke up first? One version says the Prophet was the first to wake up. Like Sahih Muslim and Ibn Majah. Another says Umar. Another says he was the fourth one to wake up, Umar. Another says Abu Bakr was the first to wake up. So which is it? Was the Prophet the first to wake up or some other companions woke up before him? See, something does not add up here. So this is another observation about the Sunni traditions that have spoken about this alleged incident that the Prophet missed Salat al-Fajr. Now, let's get to the tough part. Now, our dilemma is, this incident is mentioned in some of our Shia sources too. So what do we do here? For instance, this incident is narrated by Ash-Shahid al-Awwal. Ash-Shahid al-Awwal is one of our you know, great scholars of the past. He is uh, Ash-Shahid al-Awwal al-Amili al-Jazini. He died in the year 1384. That's about seven, eight centuries ago in Lebanon. You know, he lived in Lebanon in Jabal Amil. He was a great scholar. He says in his book, Al-Dhikra, volume two, page 403, he says, we have a hadith that's sahih. According to his standards, he says it's a sahih hadith, meaning the chain. The chain is authentic. From Zurara, from Al-Imam uh, Abu Ja'far alayhi salam. Al-Imam Abu Ja'far is who? The fifth Imam of Ahlul Bayt. Al-Imam Muhammad al-Baqir, Abu Ja'far al-Sadiq alayhi salam. Basically, he says, I met the Imam alayhi salam and I asked him a question about basically missing the prayers, wajib and the nafila. He, he starts asking a fiqhi question. He says, when I met Al-Imam Al-Baqir alayhi salam, he told me about this incident. He told me that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa was traveling in one of his travels. See, this hadith also in the Shia sources does not tell us what travel it was. Was it after Khaybar? It just says Ba'di Asfarihi. Some of his travels, the Prophet slept at night and then he told Bilal, oh Bilal, I want you to Watch over us, be the watchman, and also basically wake us up for Fajr. Then, the hadith from Al-Imam Al-Baqir attributed to Al-Imam Al-Baqir states, they all missed the Fajr prayer until Talat al-Shams, until the sun rose. So the Prophet told him, Ya Bilal, what made you fall asleep? We were counting on you basically. He told him, Ya Rasulullah. The one who made you sleep made me sleep. You know, don't blame me. I, it, it wasn't deliberate. Then the Prophet ﷺ states, according to the Shia version, 
قوموا فتحولوا عن مكانكم الذي أصابكم فيه الغفلة Let's leave this area that caused us to skip the prayer The غفلة that made us all skip the prayer يا بلال make the call to prayer and then the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa basically pray, prayed qada with his companions then he said to them whoever misses his prayer let him you know make it up whenever he remembers so this is the hadith that we have in our Shia sources we also have other reports narrated by al-Saduq al-Kulayni al-Shaykh al-Tusi that indicate the Prophet even made mistakes in his prayer or he missed prayer because he was sleeping so what do we do? We've got a dilemma here. How do we analyze this? See, my dear brothers and sisters, there's an important discussion in theology that we have when we talk about prophethood and infallibility. It's called the, the question of Sahwan Nabi. Does the Prophet make mistakes or forget or no? As-Saduq, As-Shaykh As-Saduq was one of our great scholars and we have the utmost respect for him. As-Shaykh As-Saduq believed, yes, prophets can forget, and they did forget. The Prophet ﷺ, he basically made a mistake in his prayer. He slept, and he missed his prayer. And he would vehemently defend this position, As-Shaykh As-Saduq. He was very passionate about this point. In fact, he would say, if you reject the idea that the Prophet made a you know, mistake in these issues, not in tabligh, of course, not in religion, then you're a ghali, you're extreme, you're an idolizer. Now the student of a shaykh al-saduq, a shaykh al-mufid, he wrote a whole book to refute his teacher, a shaykh al-saduq. He's like, teacher, I'm sorry, with all due respect to you, you've got this one wrong. And almost all of our scholars have rejected this opinion that the Prophet makes mistakes. And some of our scholars even consider it a great disrespect to the Prophet And they, they consider this view to contradict the infallibility of Rasulullah And And they have uh, cited other sahih, more authentic reports that, that clearly indicate the Prophet doesn't mis make mistakes and he's constantly guided by Allah. But yeah, you know, Saduq accepted it. Saduq and his teacher Ibn al-Walid, they accepted these reports. So there is this, you know, discussion among scholars. I just want to give you the background on that. That most, the vast majority of scholars have not accepted such reports. Whereas As-Saduq did. But then, but then, we ask our scholars who've rejected it. And they've rightfully so rejected this opinion of Shaykh As-Saduq. What do we do about these hadiths? I mean, we have hadiths in our sources. Like the book of Al-Dhikra by Shahid Al-Awwal. He mentions this issue of the Prophet, you know, skipping the Fajr prayer. As-Saduq has narrated hadiths that the Prophet, you know, made a mistake in some of his prayers. How do we, what do we do with some of these hadiths? And some of these hadiths have a sahih chain, right? I mean, the, the narrators seem to be reliable to us. I will share with you the important observations here about, you know, these hadiths. And then if you have any perspective to share, please feel free to do so. Number one, the first observation our scholars have, many of them have, is that these hadiths were issued in taqiyya mode. Because that was the mainstream Sunni position. They're like, there's no way we can accept these hadiths. We have many hadiths that the Prophet is infallible, he does not make any mistakes, he's guided by 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, every single moment, He's aided with Ruh al-Qudus. All prophets have Ruh al-Qudus, that powerful force, spiritual power that aids them and protects them every second of their lives. Their heart never sleeps. Their mind never sleeps and so on. So how can we accept these reports? In fact, this hadith that the Prophet was coming back after Khaybar, in one version of this hadith, of this incident, the Prophet says this is the valley of shaitan. And that's why basically we missed the Fajr prayer. So let's go to another place and pray. Meaning this land is cursed. Shaitan somehow made us, you know, uh, skip the Fajr prayer. Scholars say we cannot accept that. Because this, these versions are telling us shaitan even impacted the Prophet ﷺ. This contradicts the verses in the Qur'an that tell us shaitan has no influence on the servants of Allah. But then, someone could say, well, what about verse 41 of Surah Sad? It tells us the shaitan can mess with prophets, right? وَذْكُرْ عَبْدَنَا أَيُّوب Remember our servant Ayyub. Prophet Ayyub and all the trials he had to go through. He called to his Lord. What dua did he make? Shaitan has touched me, harmed me with difficulty and adab and torment, pain and suffering. So Shaitan can't influence prophets. Right? Well, the response to that is, Shaitan can afflict prophets with physical pain. Yes. Sometimes Allah may give them permission, may give Shaitan permission to do that. Why? To test the prophet. So for instance, the Shaitan can be the cause of a disease in a prophet. That's possible, sure. But to have authority on the prophet to skip an obligation or to mess with his religious affairs, no. The Quran clearly states, Allah tells Shaitan when he refused to prostrate to Adam salam, look, my ibad, my true servants, you can't mess with them. You have no authority over them. So saying that Shaitan made the Prophet forget the Fajr prayer, and the Prophet says, This is the valley of Shaitan, let's go somewhere else. This is not something that we can accept. This contradicts, you know, the Quran. So these reports. We cannot accept by any means. Hence, if the imams really said these hadiths, it was in taqiyya. Because if Shias publicly challenged the Sunni mainstream version, they would be persecuted. So the imam wanted to protect the Shia. So sometimes maybe it was a public session gathering. The imam would just go with the flow and say it in order to protect the Shias and to protect his life. This is taqiyya. You know, we've discussed in our Islamic beliefs series what is taqiyya? What, what's, what are the conditions of taqiyya? And why we have taqiyya? So one response many scholars have given is that these hadiths were issued in taqiyya mode. That's the first observation. The second observation scholars have, some of them have said, look, we'll accept them if we find an acceptable explanation for them. For instance, Al-Marhum al-Sheikh al-Ansari, one of our great scholars, he was one of the great scholars in Najaf and very well known for his deep knowledge in usul and legal theory. 
This hadith that Shahid al-Awwal narrates from Zurara, right? Which Shahid al-Awwal says this is a sahih hadith. He says, I've got an explanation for it. And, and see how meticulous his mind is, subhanAllah. He says, when the Prophet spoke to his companions and he told them, let's get out of here, basically. Let's go and uh, pray somewhere else because we've been impacted by ghafla, right? We, we forgot to pray or we missed praying. Look at the wording of the Prophet. Qumu. Get up. فَتَحَوَّلُوا عَنْ مَكَانِكُمْ Let's, you get up and move from this place الَّذِي أَصَابَكُمْ فِي الْغَفْلَةِ This place which غفلة struck you. Analyze the statement. What can you extract from the statement? Anything comes to your mind? From the way the Prophet was speaking to them? The way he worded the statement? That everybody else was affected, but not necessarily... Exactly. He didn't say, Asabana. See, he didn't say, let's get up from this place, which made us fall into ghafla. He doesn't use the plural uh, pronoun that includes him. Like we. He doesn't say we. He says you. Get up from this place. This place that struck you with ghafla. See? Now this adds a new dimension to the story. If you technically go by the statement of the Prophet, it doesn't necessarily mean he skipped his prayer. Maybe he prayed. And he's telling them, the ghafla struck you, not me. Yeah, the Prophet didn't want to tell them what his obligation was. Maybe to try this ummah or for whatever other reason. Or to show them he's a human being, whatever. So he wouldn't be a deity that would be worshipped. The Prophet then went, he showed them how to pray qada. But this type of statement hints or indicates that, that maybe the ghafla didn't strike the Prophet. So the likes of a Shaykh al-Ansari, they're like, let's find for an acceptable explanation before saying, you know, this is rejected or it's taqiyya or whatever. So this hadith means the Prophet wasn't necessarily influenced by shaitan and nor did he skip any obligation. And in fact, in fact, when you look at the version of al-Shaykh al-Tusi in the book Tahdeeb al-Ahkam, he states the following. You know, they skipped the uh, Fajr prayer. And then the Prophet told them, Bilal, why don't you wake us up? Then the Prophet says to his companions, let's go somewhere else. Nimtum biwadi shaitan. You slept in the valley of shaitan. You. He didn't say we. Why? Maybe because he didn't sleep. Maybe because he didn't miss any obligation. So when you meticulously analyze some of these hadiths, we can have an alternative explanation. There is room to say that it doesn't include the Prophet. There are hints in the hadith that the Prophet told them, you skip the obligation. The ghafla struck you. You slept in the valley of shaitan. Not me. That's the implication, right? So this is another way of analyzing these hadiths, assuming the imams really said them. We have an alternative explanation. What, what do you say about this second attempt? Does it 
make sense or not really? What's your take on it? I guess if we're in a munadhara and, and the uh, mukhalifin come back and say, well, how do you save Imam Ali salam from being included in that then? If Rasulullah is the one saying it, what's uh, what's the proof that Imam Ali salam was also exempt from shaitan? We don't have any proof that Imam Ali was directly there in that vicinity and he slept. There's no mention of him. So maybe the Imam had... Was, was in a nearby camp. Maybe the Prophet ﷺ gave him a task to you know, protect the camp elsewhere. We don't have any evidence he was right there next to the Prophet and the companions. Secondly, and when the Prophet says, you companions, maybe Imam Ali was standing next to him and he said, you companions, you slept here and, and he excluded Imam Ali. I mean, theoretically it's possible. These versions that I shared with you in Sunni Hadith and in our Hadith doesn't say specifically Imam Ali was there and he was being addressed. So the most that we can say, we don't know what happened to Imam Ali. We don't know the circumstances. We simply don't know. Said, yes. has a Prophet ever missed his night prayer? Any reports we have about it? Has the Prophet ﷺ ever missed the night prayer? Not that I can recall. I don't recall any hadith that states he missed the night prayer. Because the Prophet ﷺ, it was obligatory upon him to pray the night prayer when Allah mandated you know, the, the, the prayer on him. Since that night that Allah mandated it on him, I don't recall having any hadith that tells us he skipped it. So... We believe that the Prophet ﷺ never skipped it. In fact, we believe Imam Ali never skipped it. And we know the Prophet is higher than Imam Ali. That's why, that's why when people came to know Imam Ali never skipped the night prayer, they told him, even Laylatul Harir, Laylatul Harir was the most difficult night at Safin, the battle of Safin, right? With Muawiyah. Imam Ali was fighting all night long. Imagine, imagine you know, without electricity during those times fighting at night. That's how intense the battle was. It didn't finish during the day. It continued all night till the Fajr. So they told him, they asked Imam Ali, even that night? In other words, you were busy the whole night fighting. We never realized like you left the battlefield and you went and prayed Salat till late. The Imam said, even Laylatul Harir. Even that night I was praying. Because if you're riding on your horse or plane or car, you can pray Salatul Layl while walking or moving. It's not a condition to be fixed. So Imam Ali was actually on his horse killing the enemies of God and he was praying Salatul Layl. Subhanallah. That's just fascinating. So if Imam Ali never skipped Salatul Layl, obviously the Prophet would never skip Salatul Layl. Obviously. So we don't have any evidence the Prophet skipped Salatul Layl. What about other uh, his prayers? Did he Azir skip any prayer? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what we're discussing here. We're saying the hadiths that state he skipped prayer, we find them problematic and we cannot accept them at face value. So I mean, if he didn't, didn't miss his other prayers, what, why would he miss his 
this prayer, this Fajr prayer? Well, if you ask the likes of a Shaykh al-Saduq who accept these reports, they'll tell you because Allah wanted to teach the Ummah that if you miss the Wajib prayer, like with the people, it's okay, it's not the end of the world. Don't be doomed. You can do the Qadha. Now with Salat al-Layl, it's not mandatory on people. So there was, you know, nothing for the Prophet to demonstrate to the people if he missed it. But with the wajib prayer, the Prophet did, you know, demonstrate it to them. So they're like, that's the philosophy, the wisdom behind it. He, he, he's, he overslept that morning and he did the qadha later. Allah allowed this to happen. Why? In order to show the ummah how you do your qadha. That, that's the idea. But why would it be necessary for him to miss a prayer in order to teach them? Like, why could he? Because maybe them? some mu'mineen, when they miss a fajr prayer, they lose hope. They hate themselves. They think they're bad. They tell themselves, "Look, I must have been angering Allah. I must have done something so bad that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala made me skip prayer." Maybe, maybe some people fall into this. Uh, cycle of excessive doubts and waswas and OCD and whatever. And that could weaken their faith. It's a window that shaitan can sometimes strike us from. So the prophet skipped it once in his lifetime to show, look, you're not doomed if it wasn't out of negligence. If you really tried your best to wake up and you took the necessary steps, see the prophet told Bilal, wake us up. He had an alarm clock, a reliable one too, right? So the prophet didn't have any shortcomings. He just felt us. He just didn't wake up that night. It wasn't out of uh, negligence. So this is to show those believers: don't lose hope. It's not the end of the universe if you skip the salah, not out of negligence. So having the prophet miss it once in his lifetime is very effective in in sending that message. That that would be their response. Okay. So this was our second observation. The third observation about this hadith that al-Shahid al-Awwal narrates, and he says it's sahih, this version narrated by Shahid al-Awwal, we don't find it in any other source. It's not in al-Kafi, it's not in al-Faqih, Tusi's works, which is kind of unusual. You'd expect this report to be found in our early hadith sources, but we don't find them. The first one to narrate it is al-Shahid al-Awwal. And he lived some 700 years ago. So he came centuries after Kulaini and Tusi and Saduq. So this specific version, right, is narrated by a Shahid al-Awwal only. So some scholars have said, you know, this might make us somehow doubt it. However, not all scholars have accepted this observation. They're like, look, Al-Shahid al-Awwal was very trustworthy. And he lived 700 years ago. So he might have had access to sources and hadiths we don't have today. I mean, that's definitely possible. From 700 years ago until today, you'd be surprised how many hadith books got lost or destroyed by enemies. So he may have had a source for it that we cannot find today. In any case, he says, I have a sahih chain to Zurara. And he's trustworthy, so we accept it from him. But honestly, it is a little bit unusual, you know, for this report to be narrated by him. And for centuries before that, we don't see it in any sources. It's a little bit unusual, even though it's definitely possible 
that he had access to sources that we don't have today. So that's the third observation. The fourth observation here is assuming we accept these reports, we could say the following. These reports mean Allah is the one who forced the Prophet to sleep to show the Ummah how to do Qaba. So it's not that he skipped it or fell asleep. God put him to sleep. And hey, if Allah wants to put somebody into sleep, okay, where's the problem? That's not even a mistake because Allah puts you to sleep. A mistake is when you fall asleep and you forget something. But if Allah intervenes and with His willpower, He says, sleep, my servant. I'm going to make you sleep. Okay, how is that a mistake? A mistake is when you slip, you fall short, you forget. Not when Allah directly makes you sleep. Right? I mean, imagine you want to pray and Allah paralyzes you throughout the whole duration. Is that a mistake? No. Is that a shortcoming? No. Habibi, Allah stopped me. What, what do you want me to do? So one explanation is not that he, assuming we accept these reports, this is how we interpret them. Allah is the one who put him to sleep. Like it was beyond anyone's control. Allah intervened to make a point, to teach the ummah something. Now we actually have a hadith that supports that. It's the Sahih hadith of Sa'id al-A'raj in the book Man la yahdaru al-Faqih of Sheikh al-Saduq. He narrates it. He, this version from Al-Iman al-Sadiq states, إِنَّ اللَّهَ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَىٰ أَنَامَ رَسُولَهُ عَنْ صَلَاةِ الْفَجْرِ أَنَامَ رَسُولَهُ My dear brothers and sisters, for those of you who are familiar with the Arabic, what's the difference between Nama and Anama? What's the difference? Anama is more like forced. Well, what does Nama mean? Like sleep. 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 You sleep is Nama. Anama comes from the form Af'ala, which indicates now there's two sides. Anama means he put to sleep. See, this version in the Sahih Hadith attributed to Imam Sadiq doesn't say the Prophet slept like the Sunni version state or some other versions, like Shahid al-Awwad's version. It says, Anama, Allah the Almighty made his prophet sleep. He put him to sleep. See, this version supports this fourth analysis here, that Allah is the one who put him to sleep. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala just kept the prophet lying down and he just couldn't get up. It was by divine intervention. So is that a mistake? No. Does that weaken infallibility? No. Allah is doing that. What's the problem? Sayyid, I have, uh, I mean, not from a Aqidah point of view, but from someone who's not a Muslim point of view. Because then they can go and say, like, you know, okay, well, our Prophet did this, and, and you might see it as a sin, and it's a... Uh, um, like uh, a blemish on their record, but we can go and say that God made him do that to go and show that prophets can also be human and they're not deities. And well, see, brother Ali, the fundamental point here is that it's not a sin. See, a mu'min, you, you as a believer, you're tired, you're traveling from Khaybar, you went for the sake of Allah, you weren't partying all night. Some people party all night, all night, they sleep 
Masha'ash shaitan, not masha'Allah. <laughs> they sleep 20 minutes before Fajr. Yeah, yeah, I was exhausted. No, no, this wasn't the case. The Prophet came back from the battle. He was exhausted. They, they arrived at the camping ground late. And he told Bilal, Habibi, wake us up. Okay, he missed it. That's not a sin. That's not a sin. So I would say to this non-Muslim, what my Prophet did is not a sin by any standard. But if you're wondering why it happened, God put him to sleep to demonstrate a point. What's the problem with that? I'm not saying I accept this, by the way. A lot of scholars have rejected this. Like all these hadiths, sorry, out the window. We have better evidence that none of this happened. But assuming, assuming we accept it, I mean, this is a plausible explanation. I don't see it that it contradicts the intellect or the Quran. Allah wants right. to put him to sleep, put him to sleep. Yeah, the, Allah doesn't do something that's despicable. Like Allah controls the Prophet like a robot and he makes him get drunk. Yeah, this is abih. This is reprehensible, inappropriate, despicable. Allah wouldn't do that to his awliya. But to skip Salat al-Fajr after a very difficult journey and, you know, battle, and it's not haram, it's not haram, What's the problem with that? Could we say that it might open up the floodgates for later Khulafa to be able to excuse? I mean, we saw how Ibn Ziyad used something that Prophet Nuh didn't even do. It was just his son, but he used that against Imam Hussein. That, okay, well, if the son of a prophet could go astray, then the grandson of a prophet can also go astray, etc., etc. So I, other I like evil caliphs could do reprehensible things, and they say, well, God made us do it. Yeah, I mean, they say, okay, well, look, we're, we're, we're just the successors of the Prophet. I mean, if he could go and miss Fajr, then who cares if I go and make a Jum'ah on a Wednesday or if I... But see, doing a Jum'ah on a Wednesday is haram. It's a bid'ah. Sleep, uh, oversleeping and skipping Fajr, not out of negligence, is not haram. We have a hadith that states, All Muslims agree that the one who's asleep, the pen of obligation is lifted from him. Right. If it's not out of negligence, again, with this condition. And remember, the Prophet, it was not out of negligence. So so we could say, our rebuttal is, if those khulafa are saying, God made me do something which is not haram, okay, fine. I, I'll still disagree with them, but hey, it's not the end of the world. Fine, go make that claim. But if you're doing something haram and attributing to Allah, no, no, no. There's no precedent. Like these hadiths, don't indicate the Prophet did something haram and Allah is the one who had him do that. No. The Prophet didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I got it. So, in any case, I, I see your point. You know, they say in Arabic, there's something in the heart that finds it, you know, maybe a little bit problematic. But yeah, a lot of scholars, again, have not accepted these reports. Some have with, with these conditions, you know, if you can explain it this way or that way, because they have evidence. They have sahih evidence that the Prophet is aided by Ruh al-Qudus and he never slips, never mistakes, never misses any obligation and he's always awake. Okay, so this was our fourth um, analysis here. The final one, the fifth analysis here before we conclude. Some scholars have said, Assuming we accept these reports, of course, then one possible explanation is that that salah on that morning 
was not wajib on the Prophet to do before sunrise. Allah, on that day, exceptionally, to prove a point to the Ummah, gave him more time till 8 a.m., let's say. So the Prophet, technically, didn't miss anything. <laughs> How do you feel about that? Would it also have been not wajib or extended for the companions? No, then... the companions is the normal default law, sunrise. But Rasulullah, because we know he doesn't miss any obligation for whatever reason, Allah extended it for him. What's the big deal? What does this violate? You saw you didn't skip anything. And that's why he told them, you slept in the valley of shaitan. The ghafla struck you. Meaning for me, based on this opinion, for me, I didn't miss anything. You guys did. I think it's a bit of a stretch because <laughs> in the it, it says that the Salat have a prescribed timing. Yeah, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can make exceptions. Allah can definitely make. See, I'll give you an example. For instance, Maghrib. What time does Maghrib and, uh, and Asha? Well, what time does Maghrib end? Midnight. What time does Asha end? A lot of scholars have said midnight. Unless you have a valid excuse. You slept, something happened, you woke up 2 a.m. Oh my God, yalla, you have till Fajr. Allah can make an exception. What's the problem? Well, if the exception was made for the Prophet, why can't it be made for everybody else? The Prophet's special. He's Rasulullah. He's a leader. He's not supposed to miss any obligations. He has Asba infallibility, Ruh al-Qudus. He's not like everyone else. So Allah makes exceptions for him. And we know Allah made exceptions for the Prophet. Every man with, with certain conditions can marry up to four wives. Rasulullah married 9, 13, 12 based on different reports. Isn't that an exception? What if somebody tells you, hey, how come your Rasul has an exception? He can marry... 10, 12 wives, but not you. Well, that's the Prophet ﷺ. There are special things about the Prophet, and this is one of them. On that day, on that day, sunrise was not the time of qala for the Prophet. It was 8 a.m. or whatever, whenever he prayed it. So he prayed in time. But in the case of the wives of the Prophet, it's not wajib to, to marry more than one, but it is wajib to pray your prayers. So then if an exception is made for a wajib thing, shouldn't it be made for everybody? What about the wives of the Prophet? What exception was made for them? So the, the Prophet is able to marry more than four, but it's not even wajib to marry more than one to begin with. It's just, no, no, no. Um, I'm not saying from the aspect of it being wajib or not. I was just saying that Allah made exceptions for His Prophet. For, for me and the brothers, it's haram. More than four permanent wives. But not for the Prophet. See, for us, it's haram. The fifth one is, is God forbid, adultery. If a person marries a fifth wife, right? Uh, and knowing the law, it's adultery. It's adultery, a big sin. But not the Prophet. So my point is, Allah makes exceptions for the Prophet. Make this one of those exceptions. What's the problem? And remember, we're not saying... Allah made an exception for him, don't pray. No, 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 he prayed. Allah just extended the time. The time for prayer, Allah extended it for him. What's the problem? But that's what I'm saying. So the exceptions are being, the exceptions for the Prophet can be made in things that are not wajib. So salat is wajib, but marrying no, one and one is... No, but it's, yeah, well, I, I know, but that doesn't change anything. What we're trying to say based on this fifth opinion 
is that Allah has made exceptions for the Prophet. Whether it's haram or wajib, it doesn't matter. The point is he's made exceptions. So make this, add this to the list of exceptions. What's the problem? No, but why? Why Allah would do that exception for it? For, for to show, to show the ummah that if you skip the Fajr prayer, you're not doomed. Maybe that's why. But couldn't he just say that we're not doomed? Why did it have to because it's have to... because you'd still think you're doomed. Like those really, really high-ranking mu'mineen who are very sensitive about their ibadah, if they miss the Fajr prayer, they'd be morally destroyed that day. Khalas, God probably hates me. I've done something. No, no, Habibi, if you're a good mu'min and you miss Fajr one day, not out of any negligence, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Don't, it's not the end of the universe and don't hate yourself. It's fine. So the Prophet just has to show it once in his lifetime to, to make it a powerful point. Maybe. Allahu A'lam. Yeah, I understand that you know, we still have reservations about this. But I'm just saying, if someone says this, I mean, it, intellectually, I don't see any anything impossible about it. Sayyid, I, I won't say uh, devil's advocate, but let's say scholar's advocate. <laughs> uh, um, what, what if we say, I mean, just to support this a little bit, there are examples where... Um, the Quran shows that Rasulullah was getting commands that weren't official wahi. So for example, um, Rasulullah kept on marrying after the fourth wife, but then in Surah Al-Ahzab it said, okay, now, you know, th this is the maximum. The last one, um, the maximum, right. Right. Or, or for example, um, the Qibla. Now, uh, I mean, there was no specific uh, instruction in the Quran that you have to face Masjid Al-Aqsa, but now... قَدْ نَرَى تَقَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ قَلُّبَ وَجْهِكَ فِي السَّمَاءِ Yes. فَلَنُوَلِّيَنَّكَ قَبْلَ انْتَرْضَاهَا Yeah. So that kind of proves that there are commands coming to Rasulullah that are not necessarily in the Qur'an. We don't have to know about them. Exactly. We don't know about them. The Prophet doesn't have to disclose everything he, he, he receives a command for. And to even add to that, let's say the Prophet did actually pray. But that day, he was instructed to, play, to pray while lying down. And remember, even Sunnis acknowledge his wudu doesn't get broken when he's sleeping. Maybe. I mean, it's a possibility, right? And the final point here, to show you that sometimes Allah can extend the time. Are you familiar with the two instances when Imam Ali salam either missed his salah or missed his salah? And Allah had the sun rise back up in the horizon after it's set. Are you familiar with those incidents or no? Yes, also with Prophet Sulaiman. With Prophet Sulaiman, according to one tafsir, yes. Tawarat fil hijab, where basically the sun um, set and and then he said, bring it back to me. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought it back. It also happened with yes. Yusha ibn Nun, Joshua, the uh, wasi of Prophet Musa alayhi salam. It's even mentioned in the in the Old Testament. And we have two instances, once in the Prophet's life, where just to summarize it for those who are not aware of the incident, inshallah when we get to it, we'll, we'll analyze it in detail. But basically, Imam Ali prayed Salatul Dhuhr, according to this hadith, and the Prophet uh, entrusted him with a task. He told him, oh Ali, you know, complete this task. 
So the imam went to complete that task. He didn't pray asr right on time. So he just prayed the dhuhr and he had to go. He didn't pray the asr. So he completed the task. He came next to the Prophet. The Prophet's head was in the lap of Imam Ali. And the Prophet receives revelation. And Imam Ali knew that when the Prophet receives revelation and his head in his lap, he cannot disturb the Prophet. But now the Imam wanted to pray Asr. He hadn't still prayed Asr because as soon as he finished the Dhuhr, the Prophet told him, Ali, there's an important thing I want you to get done for me. Rasulullah, when he commands Ali, that's it. His only goal in the world is to fulfill what the Prophet wants because he knows that's what Allah wants. So the, the head of the Prophet was resting in the lap of Imam Ali, but the revelation kept continuing, continuing, you know, just kept going, going, the sun set. Imam Ali was, you know, I don't, I don't know if he was panicking or not, but I'm just imagining it, right? Or Imam Ali knew his obligation. He was not panicking, not panicking at all. So the Prophet basically wakes up from his moment of receiving wahi. And then he realizes the sun has set. Imam Ali hasn't prayed asr because of the Prophet. Because he was serving the Prophet and he did not want to disturb the Prophet. He said, Ya Allah. Basically to summarize the dua. Ali was in the obedience of your Prophet and in your obedience. Ya Allah, send the sun back up to the sky. The sun rises. Imam Ali prays asr. The sun sets. This, my dear brothers and sisters, has been documented by Sunni hadith sources, let alone our sources. And Sunni is considered this one of the miracles of the Prophet, that he asked Allah to, to send the sun back up into the sky, and Allah answered him. They consider this one of his miracles. So see, Allah extended the time for Imam Ali, for, what, for, for, for those wise reasons. Say the same thing here. Or that the Prophet prayed while lying down, this was his method that Allah wanted from him. In any case, in any case, a lot of scholars have not accepted these reports. They see them contradicting other sahih reports and they believe they were probably issued in taqiyya. So that's our analysis of this incident of the Prophet supposedly and allegedly skipping the Fajr prayer after Khaybah.